Hello, everybody. This is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life, because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, the premier free writing magazine on the internet, featuring articles on writing and the writing life, as well as video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres. My This month, last month, we were September, I had my conversation with Kanana Reeve Du, fascinating woman, told the story of how she got that first book of hers published back, way back in the 80s. And uh, coming up next month, starting the 1st of October, my conversation with Richard Powers, whose novel Overstory, uh, his last novel, won the Pulitzer Prize, and he's got a new one out, um, Bewilderment, fascinating book, interesting, interesting guy, and uh, well, I look forward to sharing that with you. Richard Powers, you can find all that at authormagazine.org and we are funded by the good people at the Pacific Northwest Writers Association. They've been supporting writers from pen to publish uh, publications since 1955. We just wrapped up our conference a couple weeks ago. God, went great. Went great. Yeah. One of these, uh, you know, digital conferences, virtual conferences, they work. You know, I miss the people. I'm not going to lie. I miss being in the classroom. I miss just seeing people, but man, there's just there's certain things you can do virtually in terms of reaching people all over the world. So we're going to be doing a little bit of both, I think, in the in the future. I think we're going to do a little bit of both because it just makes sense. So uh, so I hope we uh, hope we see you there. If you aren't a member, I encourage you to join. Uh, there'll be classes coming up. There'll be another conferences, all this good stuff. So go check it out at pnwa.org. PNWA.org. Not much going on with me at the moment. I'm just eager to dive in and talk to today's guest. What? This is an interesting guy. He is a person who is, he's a dedicated fellow. He is David Richmond. Uh, David is an author, public speaker, philanthropist, and an endurance athlete whose mission is to form more meaningful human connections through storytelling. In his first book, Winning in the Middle of the Pack, he discussed how to get more out of ourselves than ever imagined. And with his latest, uh, Cycle of Lives, David shares the interconnected stories of people overcoming trauma and delves deeply into their emotional journeys with cancer. He continues to do Ironman triathlons. In fact, he just finished one, I believe. And a wide range of endurance athletic events, having recently completed a solo 4,700 mile bike ride. Oh, I'm tired just saying it. David, David, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you. You're making me smile because whoever you're describing sounds like some kind of crazy, crazy person. He's nuts. He's nuts. <laughs> He's crazy. I don't know who this guy uh, is. But so, and, and you just finished an Ironman. Did you, is that right? You're down there just kind of taking a day to yourself and you and your family before uh, I am. having finished one? Yeah? Yeah, yeah, I am. I did one on Sunday. I did an Ironman in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and uh, it was hard and tough and beautiful. But, um, yeah, it was my 18th Ironman, so um, I'm glutton for punishment. And that's the – that's the – what? How, how is the it's, – I know it, it ends with a marathon, uh, it does. And and, and how long is and how long is the swim and how long is the bike ride? The swim is uh, 2.4 miles, and yeah. that was in the Tennessee River, thankfully downriver. 
and then uh, the bike ride is 112 miles. So it's oh it's a long day. I, I was Jesus. out there for quite a, quite a few hours. All right. Okay. So this is one of the things you do. A nice little uh, hobby of yours. Uh, let's get into you a little bit. Besides that, so you so obviously though, but obviously you do something like that. That's a big part of your life. Big part of your way mm-hmm. being in the world. You know, understanding mm-hmm. yourself, understanding human limitation, and so on. But you're a mm-hmm. financial service. By, but by day, you're a mild mannered mm-hmm. financial services specialist. Is that right? You you uh, that's your day job. Is that still the case? Yes, I've, I've been in uh, financial services business one way or another, mostly for major Wall Street firms um, mm-hmm. for uh, going on a quarter century. So All right. uh, that's that's where my experience is. And, you know, I've, I have found over the years that there is a lot of similarity between running a big business and running 100 miles and uh, going wow. through difficulties in life. There's lessons to be learned in all of it that are quite parallel. And so yeah. uh, the things that I've overcome in business have helped me in my personal life and definitely vice versa. Yeah. You know, I really, I, I think that if you, if you look at anything the right way, you know, I, the name, this, this, this podcast is about how, what it takes to write a book is what it takes to lead a life. I think that the two things are overlapping, but I think to some degree you could say that about anything, what it takes to be a pitcher, mm-hmm baseball is what it takes. I think they're all so similar. And so uh, it, I think that you can, you can find that in anything you do, I would imagine. Because I would imagine that what you do in the, I, I would imagine that you even in the, you have found connection between the sports and the writing. Yeah. Oh, no, no question. But I, you know, I think what, what it's, what, what makes it another level is, you know, when you hear something like, Oh, it, you know, you got to take a step forward when time gets tough or, you know, when, when you hear things like, oh, just put your feet on the ground and, you know, these things can be trite, right? But once you sure. um, go through, you know, like, oh, when you say to somebody, you know, how do you write a book? Well, one word at a time, just sit down and, <laughs> you know, start. Yeah. It sounds trite, but what, actually yeah. once you do it and you realize that's really what it is, like you feel yeah. it, you've lived it, you yeah. you have experienced it. It doesn't become trite, a part of the process or a part of who you are. And so when you say, get up every morning and write, or you say, hey, just get up and put in X, X amount of time, you know, a training, or, you know, just put this specific effort into the task at hand, it doesn't become trite anymore. And that's where we can yeah. see authentic growth and, and transformation is an accomplishment is, is in doing the things that, we know we need to do that aren't just little little sayings that are posted on a note that we can you know kind of smile at. Right. Well, you know, most of those trite sayings are based in reality. The challenge is relaying them in a way that that resonates with with people and and knowing that they're based on a a sort of lived experience. I always think that in a way, anything we do is simple if all we're doing is doing it. In other words, writing is not complicated if all you're doing is writing, but if you're trying to prove you're, 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 you have value, you're trying to set yourself free from some job you're working, if you're trying to see if your voice matters, it can become very complicated. But if all you're doing is putting sentences down, it, doesn't, it, it can be relatively simple. And the same thing with mm-hmm, riding mm-hmm. a bike. If, you know, I, I used to, I, I ran, and I remember the, when I would finish at the end of a race, it was so important because that's when I was most tired, but I needed to sprint to the end. I was more of a sprinter to focus just on my form, to not think about how tired I was, to not think about the thing, mm-hmm. but just 
have my legs do this and my arms do this, and my legs do this and my arms do this and simplify it for myself. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes total sense. Yeah, it's definitely easy to break things down to the common denominator. I know that, right. um, you know, when, I, when, when I'm in the middle or at the end of an endurance event, you know, I'll kind of say, okay, just make it to the next post, make it to the next light ahead of right. you. Right. You know, just just focus on putting one foot in front of the other because the other hundred things that are going through your head that are telling you to stop um, get louder and louder if you give them any attention. And so I think that that's what it is in life, right? I mean, that old saying of, um, you know, uh, how do you know the, the writer's house? It's the cleanest house uh, on the block. It's because they're listening to all the things that are allowing them to do anything but write such as I got to clean, I got to do this, I right. got to do that. Right. Meanwhile, you know what? If you just focus on the basics, putting one foot in front of the other, right? Work on your form while you're running. Just sit down with a pen and paper. Um, I mean, th- then that, yeah. Otherwise, uh, yeah, I could be distracted my whole life. Sure. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of things our mind can go to. So you're, so, okay. So you are interested in uh, your mission, your mission, David, and how lucky, I don't say lucky, but how glad I am for anyone who feels they have a mission. I think there's nothing better for a person than to have a mission, and you mm-hmm. feel you have one. And yours is to form meaningful human connections through storytelling. What, talk to me about that journey, because I think once upon a time, Dave, you were not in great shape. You weren't pedaling 4,000 miles. You were overweight. You were smoking. You were just weren't happy, I imagine. But... Things have changed. So how in all those changes has storytelling, storytelling risen up there with exercise? Yeah, that's a great, great framework for that question. Thank you. And, and, and I'll tell you that it didn't hit me early in life, right? It hit me later mm-hmm. in life. And yeah. I just, I, I've come to the conclusion, it's not, it's not a very unique, but it's a conclusion <laughs> that really resonates with me that, that we as human beings are really connected by two things. We're connected by story and we have been ever since, you know, we could grunt Um, and we're connected by the basic human emotions that we all have. And um, we might not have the same responses to certain stimuli, but really at the base core of it, if you're, if you're in a cave and a bear comes in, there's not a human alive that wouldn't be fearful, right? We're connected by these base emotions. And so if we are connected by those two things, stories and emotions, then I think that that by focusing on really good storytelling that really evokes true emotion, that that's where we can learn and that's where we can um, um, adapt what we do or or strive to be like somebody else or be moved into action by these emotional stories. And I have been in my life, right? I've been... um, at, you know, moved into action by emotional stories. And that really is what led me to my second book. But I think that it's, it's, it, it's just such a powerful and, and wonderful thought that, that we are all connected by those two basic things. So yeah. why not strive to make change, um, you know, based on that belief? And, and that's what I'm trying to do. That's great. That's great. You know, I teach yeah. storytelling, uh, personal storytelling, uh, you know, for people writing memoir and personal essay and this sort of thing. When I teach writing, it's usually one of the things I teach. And, and it, it occurs to me that um, the thing about a story, which is so great, which is, you know, I can't, I can't live your life. Like you, like it's, we are always, there is that sense of 
separation, which is you have your experiences, I have mine, and never the twain shall meet, except when I give myself over to a story you're telling me, I, and if it's told evocatively, I feel like that is the closest, because I, I lived through it, right? So I was reading your book, mm-hmm. and I was kind of on that bike with you and feeling your pain and the heat <laughs> and you talking about your sister and the people and her family and, 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 and all the stories of your, your, all the people who also are in this book. And of course I live it in a way with my imagination, which is, you know, all our imagination mm-hmm. is so powerful. So I do think David, the story is the closest we come to living, walking in someone else's shoes. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does make sense. And when I embarked on this project of uh, Cycle of Lies, which was kind of born out of my desire to better equip people to engage in the hard conversations around the emotional facets of trauma, specifically of cancer, you know, when I, when I did that, it was with exactly that purpose is that um, uh, uh, if we can have a little bit better understanding of what people have gone through or are going through, Mm -hmm. which I think we can do that through what you just explained so eloquently. But if we can have a little bit better understanding of that, um, then maybe perhaps we can apply what we learn to that a little bit more authenticity, a little more heart centered ability to listen, connect um, so that we can engage in hard conversations with people that are going through or have gone through trauma and need that connection. They might have isolated. Yeah. Uh, they might have self-isolated. They might be abandoned. They, um, they might be uh, cast aside by people that don't want to invade their space or a whole right. host of, of issues. But they are lost looking for a connection in a tumultuous world. And if we're better equipped to start these hard conversations with them, then we can form these more meaningful, you know, deep, heart-centered, authentic connections, which in the end, I think that's what we all really are striving to do is, is to connect with the people that are, that are important to us at a, at a deep and meaningful level. And so um, that was the whole purpose, and, and you said it so well. Well, you know, I'm glad I, we, uh, you've, we found one another. I, I just, uh, I've begun working recently with a group it's uh, located in New Zealand, but they're called Transcending Cancer. And I do, I teach sort of writing as a tool for dealing with mm. the, the trauma of cancer. And I, and I love working with these people because I do feel there is something about these traumatic events, which sort of cracks us open in a way and makes us, makes people open to, and it's, it's a group focused on the emotional challenges, spiritual challenges of, of cancer and looking mm-hmm. and both people who are having it and who have loved ones dealing with it. And I think it's a, obviously no one wants it, but I do think there's a, there's a tremendous opportunity in that in terms of looking at what you actually care about, look at thing, looking at things that you believe that have, are doing, you no good. I just think that it, it kind of life gets a hold of you at that point and makes you ask some questions in a way. Mm-hmm. And I know it did for you. I'm sure. Well, maybe I don't know. Did it? It must've. No, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely it did. And, yeah. you, you know, um, the only silver lining that I can think about um, that, that, that it doesn't sound shallow to me about the cancer experience is that because it's shrouded in mystery and because it's not a suicide or a car accident or something like that that right. has no answers, um, it does perhaps give people that time that um, the, 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 the length of time to be able to um, process those questions. You know, 
fully ask the question, understand what they mean, contemplate the deeper things in life, and it does give you a chance to, you know, better determine what are the things that are important to you. What are you looking to get out of this life? How can you connect with people at a deeper level? If that's the silver lining, it's not such a bad. It's not such a. Oh. If we're going to have to go through tough times, at least it's something that we can try to figure out along the way, as opposed to so many other things that that don't give us that time, right? Yeah, I do think uh, one of the worst the things you can believe. Well, it may. I don't know. I I I I've, I've talked to uh, authors who they really felt because of their own cancer they they it, like they survived it. But as, and as uncomfortable as it was, and obviously and scary, it was the difference for them. It was the thing that got them to, to live the way they wanted to live. Now they beat it, but it was they didn't know when they had it that they were going to beat it. And sometimes, you know, I know that wasn't the case for your sister, and it's not the case for a lot of people. But I think mm-hmm. that I just, I think that it is never you you know for instance you you don't know the effect that your work and that is that was born out of your sister's passing will have you'll never fully understand it and that came because mm-hmm. in part because she died and it's more than just you know you'll never know the full width of the ripple that your stone in the water is casting but it's probably bigger than you know and all because of that yeah. that experience yeah yeah that's definitely um, definitely one of the benefits is uh, engaging in this project has allowed me to connect with, you know, literally hundreds and hundreds of people in a very meaningful right. way. Uh, you know, only 15 stories made the book, but right. um, each one of those stories um, resulted in either a temporary, um, necessarily temporary, but very, very deep, um, meaningful interaction and relationship, or in, in many, many cases, uh, some of my my most cherished um, uh, relationships are with people that I've met along the way in this project, and that's because it forced us or gave us opportunity to to really engage in a really deep, personal, heart centered way. And I mean, honestly, that like I keep saying, that's what we're all looking for. We're all looking that's for right. deep, meaningful connection. That's right. And, you, you know these stories that people shared with with me are are moving. I mean, you you saw they're they're very very yep. moving stories, yep. very real yep. raw moving stories. Yep. All right, so we keep talking about maybe you should actually for our listeners who have not read the book describe what this project is and mm-hmm. how you responded to your sister's passing and what you decided to do. Yeah, sure. So this is the framework for it, and and. It makes sense if you've gone through or know somebody that's gone through cancer is that people are really good about about addressing the tasks of it. Um, mm-hmm. How do I get my next PET scan? You know, what what pills am I going to take? What's the chemo regimen going to look like? Right. How do I get my right. kids looked at? But, you know, how do I eat healthier? Those kind of things. But they're really not equipped to talk about the emotional side of it. And I, and right. I saw this. I did some... I did some events and some some different uh, different you know things to try to raise money for the cancer center that took care of my sister. And along the way, I just realized that this theme was recurrent, not just in people that were going through cancer, but their loved ones, survivors, but also caregivers, doctors, medical right. professionals. The same thing. They just couldn't attack attack the emotional side. So I said to myself, um, if I could get a range of people, age type of cancer, severity of cancer, 
and emotional responses to the to the issues that they were going through in relation to the traumas that we've all identified in our right. lives suicide right. abandonment drug addiction making bad choices whatever right right how did that those traumas affect their emotional uh, uh, journey and allowed them or prevented them from making any sense of it and right. so i wanted to get super deep into their stories right. give the reader a way to identify with uh, how would they view uh, um when somebody says, here's an example. When somebody says, um, no, you know what, thanks for offering me the help, but I don't need it. Like, I'm fine. Right. Really? Yeah. Is, is there a lot more behind that? Right? And so, yeah. so um, are they afraid you might abandon them? Are they afraid that they're going to, they, they don't want, they're ashamed. They don't want to feel guilty. They don't want your sympathy. I could keep going on and on. Sure, but, sure. But there's more to the story. And so I wanted to bring to the reader these deeply raw, real, personal, identifiable stories that yeah. showed how people were or were not able to navigate themselves or with their loved ones yeah. these emotions so that we could identify with that, we could see it, and then we could maybe be better equipped to deal with that in yeah. our own personal experiences. Yeah, um, yeah. So that was And the framework is you're taking this 5,000 something mile bike ride from person to person, mm -hmm. right? You're going from one person or another, one person to person to person whose stories you're going to tell, going through your own little journey as you're telling their journey. Yeah, so exactly. So what I, what, actually that came as a, um, as a surprise along the way. Uh -huh. so I'd written the stories, right? And, yeah. or I hadn't written them. I had interviewed people for a couple of years. Okay. Yeah. And I, I thought, well, if we're all connected by stories and we're connected by emotion, why the heck don't I just be the thread that connects all these people by jumping on my bike and meeting them? Right. So the stories are told kind of first person through their eyes. I'm, I'm removed from the story as the author. Right. Um, but in between each one of the stories is the narrative, a little outro, a little intro um, uh, of the story, but a little narrative of my bike ride, the emotions that I'm dealing with going through the loss of my sister and then, you know, some of the, some of the other little, but very, very small little vignettes. And, and that's the thread that, that binds these stories together. So right. um, that, that came up as an afterthought because I thought what better way to connect the stories than connect the stories. So I right. just decided to jump on my bike and, and uh, I did not linger. I did 4,700 <laughs> miles in 45 days. So do the math. It's uh, well more than a hundred miles every single day. So it was, uh, it was tough. Yeah. But you know, it was tough. It seems like you must, David, I think you want the toughness. You must want that. <laughs> you you have, why do it? You have to want the incredible fatigue, the going when, you know, I just, I still remember the first race I ran the kind of race where I thought I'm done. Like, this, I've spent my wad too early, but there's still another quarter mile to go. This is one of these faster races. And I ran and I finished mm -hmm. it anyway and did well thinking, oh, that wasn't the end. I hadn't hit. I was only a teenager at the time, but realizing the wall that I thought the wall wasn't the wall. It was a very gratifying mm -hmm. moment. And I'm sure you've had that moment many times. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm usually late to learn the lesson. <laughs> I'm usually not so quick on the uptake, right? But one thing I was quick on the uptake was was with endurance athletics. 
Um, this one concept, let me tell you a super quick story. I was sure. doing an 87-mile rollerblade race in Georgia. <laughs> Imagine that. 87 yeah, miles on rollerblades through the gentle right. rolling hills of Georgia. And trust me, there's, hey. no, there's no hills in Georgia that are gentle when you're on, when you're on <laughs> rollerblades. <laughs> yeah. Right. Completely stupid. From Athens to Atlanta, if anybody knows okay. that route, it, it's very hilly. So I'm about 35 miles in, and I'm way in over my head. I had no business being out there doing this. Right. And I'm literally uh, as depleted as anybody could ever be, Right. And you're not even so halfway through. I, I'm not even half, not even near it. And so I'm completely done. And I, and I lean over and rest my hands on my knees and I'm completely toasted, right? right? And I'm dripping this white, salty sweat on the asphalt. And I see this line formed by my sweat that's just dripping. And I go, oh my gosh, man, if I quit, like if I don't, if I don't keep moving, I'm going to know that, give it everything I thought, but then I thought, I'm going to know everything about myself. I'm going to know what my limits were. But uh-huh. I said, if I take a step over that line, right, if I yep. just go one step further, I'm going to find out something new. And right. every step that I take, I'm going to learn something new about myself, every yeah. little step. And so I <sighs> little step for another six hours, right? And right. I learned something new. And so when, I, when you say, you know, I'm a glutton for this, for this punishment or I like the fatigue, what I like to do is I like to learn more about what I'm capable of. I like to learn yeah. more about what I can overcome. And, yeah. you know, I think that there's uh, two kinds of people, right, those that are looking in the rearview mirror and those that are looking out of the windshield. And I yeah. just like to look out of the windshield. I like to see what's ahead. I want to find out more. And so I do these things. Um, partly because I'm looking to see what I'm going to learn. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the most painful thoughts we can have is to believe in our, to set a limitation for ourselves and believe in it. And I think, and, and I think we, we, we rebel against it and we get frustrated by it and we believe in it. I certainly have had them thinking I could or couldn't do this. And every time I run up against it, I really hate it. And I think it sports is one of the ways where I, sort of broke those limitations. One of the ways I would break those limitations down for sure. And writing was yeah. the other one. And so, um, all right. So this book's out. And so are you, have you had a chance to, besides talking to me, to get around and talk to people about it? Talk to folks who weren't in the book about the, the emotional yeah. challenges of cancer? And how's that going? Oh, it's going great. You know, um, yeah. uh, so look, you, you know this more than most people that uh, uh, writing a book is one thing. Getting yeah. it read is an entirely different uh, thing, oh, yeah. right? And I feel very fortunate. Um, it, it finished a year as an Amazon number one bestseller. Um, I've been Yay. fortunate enough to get, yeah, it's nice. I've been fortunate enough to win some awards. And I've been on, you know, many, many shows talking about it. Um, I yeah. think people, they're intrigued by the fact that, oh, I went on, did this bike ride and I wrote these stories. But they also like the fact that, 100% of the proceeds, anything that comes in from the book, um, we, uh, goes into a 501c3 and is supporting the cancer-focused charities that were chosen right. by the book participants. Great. So the small goal is to raise a little bit of money. The greater goal is to, you know, better equip people to start these hard conversations. And, yeah. you know, it's pretty funny. My mother-in-law, she, she's so funny. She, she, came, she came to the house a few weeks ago, and she goes, you know, 
I heard, I heard you. I heard you on some of these podcasts, and you do all these talks. And aren't you tired of talking the same thing? And I just laughed, and I went, "I'm not going to be tired of talking about this ever, like ever." And so, yeah. so it's 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 great. I have a passion for it. Uh, honestly, I, I do get so much feedback that's just absolutely heartwarming. You know, I had a yeah. gastroenterology oncologist. Write me a wonderful note, and he said, "I read your book for the first the first time in horror because I had no idea what my patients were going through." Oh, he said, really? I, "I just thought, oh my gosh, I had on the emotional on the emotional yeah. side, right?" Yeah. He said, "The second time I read your book, I read it as as a person, not as a doctor." He says, "And I was completely moved by by these people and and what they've gone through," and I thought to myself, "How?" blessed how wonderful is it that i was in a position to have that kind of an impact on on somebody and and so i'm i'm very passionate about it i I feel these stories the real stories they're not anonymous they're real stories um uh i feel like they're um you know they're they're true raw and and definitely make an impact in people's lives oh yeah no dice uh you're making a difference david like i said thank you you don't even know how much you'll never know most authors don't. You just have no idea. There's going to be people who are never going to contact you, never going to thank you, but you're going to have made a difference in their lives anyway. It's just that's the mm-hmm. way it goes, especially with writers. You just you don't. You know what? I take it back. It's true for everybody. But it's so great that you have you're focused in this way and that you have a passion. It's just great. I love talking to people like you, David, for just that reason. <laughs> ah, it inspires me. Inspires me. All right. All right, listen, so if people, I have one more question, but first, if people want to yeah. learn about you and your book and your everything, where should they go? Oh, well, thank you for that. Um, you can go to cycleoflives.org, um, list of all the things that's going on, different projects, uh, you know, learn more about the book and, and a lot of ancillary things. Obviously, the book's available wherever books are sold. If your authors are also readers, um, Audible is oh, coming there. out soon. I'm very excited. I had 15 uh, actors, so oh, one wow. different actor for every chapter. Nice. So it's a really unique format, and um, uh, the the, uh, the actors are just phenomenal. So I can't wait for the Audible to come out. And um, yeah, that's uh, david richmondcom or or psychoalives.org, and you can see all the cool stuff that's going on, and also all the organizations that we're aligned with. That's great. That's awesome. Okay. Well, David, I got one more question for you. And what I want you to do is finish this sentence. Writing, all the writing you've done in your life has taught you anything. It's taught you what? That people are way more interesting than we give them the credit to be. They're way more interesting. Oh, I agree, David. I totally agree. They're all interesting. That's why I do this show. David, thank you so much. Keep up the good work, my friend. Oh, you too, and I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much, and uh, yeah, keep keep it up. You're you're just awesome. All right, thanks, David. I appreciate it. I will keep it up. I will indeed. Yes, people are people are so much. You're all interesting. You are. You are. You may not know it. You may not believe it, but you are. Uh, I want to thank my producer, R.J. Jeffries. As always, I will be back next week with a oh, an interesting guest, a very a podcaster, independent author, interesting woman, Joanna Penn. Until then. I encourage you to go find something you love to do and do it. <laughs>